welcoming everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Where you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has been really gracious this week for our recording schedule, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Gerald, we are a team. We, uh, like, like any you know, good team, we... Flex, we ebb, we flow, we pick up when others uh, can't, and uh, you know we expect the same in return. Um, one of these days, you're going to pick up for me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am. Uh, I am happy to accommodate. We're coming into your ears a little bit late, uh, but you know we we have lives and and activities, and our human beings are not robots. And uh, sometimes, sometimes those things come up. But we're here. And that's all that matters. And we are, uh, you know, squeezing in these contractually obligated podcasts until the end of February. They'll continue past February, Kyle. Don't let it, don't let it fool you. Correct. Uh, something, something they don't tell you about having children is that sometimes one of them gets sick and infects the rest of the house. And the only way to get rid of it is to burn everything like an old medieval town dealing with the Black Plague. <laughs> so we have gone through so much bleach over the last like three days. <laughs> the baby caught something and he's passing it around the house. He's still, he, he's cute it's his only saving grace at this point he's super cute um but yeah he's gotten the rest of the house sick and so it was my turn yesterday i'm feeling better and good enough to sit in front of a mic at least for an hour and talk about texas we're not here to talk about my issues here to talk about some issues on the hardwood texas basketball goes one and one in a week that was honestly one and one on that road trip was a win we talked about it last week so a solid outing for the men the ladies continue to surge late in the season a lot, a lot, a lot happening on campus. We'll down the 40 and give you all of the updates that you need to know about all the fun things going around campus and not on it. We'll obviously close the show out with some Godzilla Tron and some bang the drum. So as Big 12 play closes, the race for the top of the Big 12 is going to continue to be a knife rock fight, right? Whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is an absolute mess at the top. And Texas continues to sit alone at the top thanks to uh, tonight's record. Big ups to West Virginia for knocking <laughs> off Iowa State. Really appreciate that. But Texas goes one and one on the Kansas two-step. Moves up to number five for their troubles. But they got a 69-66 to win over number six in Manhattan. And then after playing one of the worst first halves in recorded history, uh, loses 88-80 to to Kansas at the fog tough road stretch for uh, texas but they managed to go one and one in that that kansas two-step and sit alone at the top of the big 12 yeah the uh i don't know what's the the kansas uh polka i don't know we need an alliterative if you know k can't the kansas crump um <laughs> yeah you hadn't thought about crumping in a few years it's definitely not in relation <laughs> to the state of kansas that's for sure that's correct that's correct not a big crumping state but uh you know alliteration is key here right uh so anyways the the double game in in kansas on the road um i think folks may not have realized also some many knew we were playing them but if you just look at the opponents and not the date they didn't come home they stayed in the state of kansas which everyone knows three days is the absolute max kansas you want in your blood system um so we knew it was going to be it was going be funky um 
we knew that these were going to be two really tough games. Fog, you know, Allen remains the toughest venue to play in college basketball. Like, sorry, Duke. Um, but you just, that's a combination of, of the referees, the fans, and the team just plays well there. Um, but, you know, all three of those factors certainly factor in. But, you know, Texas had, had, had done it recently. And so it seems that the curse was broken in Texas. Can, no, no, no. It's still very unbelievably hard to go in and win. And again, especially twice in three days against another top 10 Kansas team in Kansas State. But I thought the Kansas State win was great because you saw them basically down for most of the first half, hit a three at the buzzer to, to make it close, and then went on a run to open the second half. Well, against Kansas, even worse of a first half, um, you know, they, they trailed by as, as many as 14. Um, but Similarly, they Carr hit a three-pointer, you know, before the, the break, got it to seven. They opened the second half with a good run. I mean, well into the second half, they were it was a two-point game. Um, they just couldn't stop Kansas the way they did to Kansas State to stop that offense, to stop letting them get, you know, offensive rebounds, getting getting loose balls to where, you know, against Kansas State, they were able to get the uh, get in front and kind of choke the game out uh, close, but choke it out ultimately against Kansas kind of the other thing happened. But uh, look, there seems to be a formula <laughs> with Rodney Terry teams um, lately. Uh, when that's at home with the mood, you're like, okay, yeah, the crowd in the second half, it lifts the team. When it's on the road, like it, this is no longer a fluke. This is a team that seems to get stronger as the game goes on. They seem to rely on some of their kind of experienced players to step up in the second half, hit free throws down the stretch, um, play good defense and, and get, you know, get stops in, in the second half. And, um, you know, it's 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 a scary thing for a fan. It's frustrating to watch first halves where they just get, um, you know, it seems like they're they're still playing, you know, in warm ups and, and layup line drills. And um, you know, it, I I don't know exactly if they need to start doing pregame orange slices in addition to the halftime ones or what. Um, but if they could play both halves, man, they'd be the number one team in the nation. In fact, I think they got a number one vote uh, this week. But uh, you know, it, it, look. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick when we said, hey, if they go one and one on this incredibly difficult trip, four top 11 games in a row, um, three of those on the road, then then book your tickets as a final four level team. And hey, look, two out of these three, maybe all three could end up at that level. There's the talent is certainly there for all of them. I don't think Texas showed anything but heart in this one. You would have loved to see something absolutely bizarre where they got both of those games. But I think all in all, a really great road trip and a great showing. I, completely. And I think when you think about the Kansas game, the thing that really jumps out to me is the turnovers, especially in the first half, right? Like Texas seemed to not be able to find itself early and then late. I feel like they they pressed and panicked a little bit. Texas turned the ball over 15 times at Kansas's 11 turnovers. Kansas scored 18 points off turnovers. Texas only scored 11, right? You, you turn a few more of those turnovers into points on your half or you don't turn over the ball as many times and Kansas can't. And you've got the difference in the game right there. And so, um, this was an and as and this is not me saying, well, Texas didn't lose this year. Kansas didn't win this game. Texas lost it. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that you could see on the well, even looking at the box score where Texas can clean things up and really get this going. And um, I don't anticipate this being a team that fades like we've seen in the past. But when March comes, I think it's a team that's been battle tested. I think the Big 12 is the place to battle test yourself in co in college basketball right now. And I think the way that they've shown themselves in conference play, I mean they're sitting atop what seems to be nationally now recognized as the toughest basketball conference in the country mm -hmm. right so 
even in their bad games, they're still a really formidable team. And how many games are you going to see Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell combined for 10 points, right? Like how many games are you going to see Dylan DeSue go for two points and play just 16 minutes, right? There are some things that when you see them and get, and get them cleaned up, this game goes differently. And again, um, we're not. I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig. Texas lost this game, but again, yeah. going one and one uh, in a, in a road trip on Kansas at the back end of a four straight against top eleven teams. There's a lot to be said about how Texas acquitted itself. And again, when push comes to shove, thanks to West Virginia pulling off this big upset, Texas still sits by itself atop of the Big Twelve, a conference that the champion is likely going to have four ish to five losses when it's all said and done. Absolutely, and and a couple guys to call out specifically, right? Like Timmy Allen looked good, double digits in both of these games, and 18 against Kansas specifically. Jabari Rice also double digits in both, um, 12 and 5 against Kansas. Uh, had his first Texas double double with 14 points and 10 rebounds against K State, um, because he also in the Baylor win played his his tail off. He he was actually named between these two games that came out um, the Big 12 newcomer of the week the second time this year so it's good to see you know again you think about the, the players in that Kansas game who you could rely on you talked about a couple guys who maybe didn't show up um, but Marcus Carr had 29 points Timmy Allen at 18 Jabari Rice at 12 right like that's your super super seniors right there that's basically 15 years of college basketball experience between those three that's pretty impressive and that's what matters in the tournament like I'm not going to compare the mood to Fog Allen but we know Texas can win at home this year they have a true home court advantage it's been really great but sometimes when I'm making March Madness brackets I don't bet on Kansas because Kansas isn't as good of team away from home. They won the national championship, so they can do it. Um, but it's good to see Texas go and do these things on the road as well when they have a true home court advantage this year. So, it, you know, again, I, I take a lot uh, away from this one. And the other thing is, is look, Marcus Carr was struggling early in that game, but so was Jalen Wilson, right? The two best players, the two highest scores on respective teams. Jalen Wilson was coming in averaging about 22 points per game. Jalen Wilson finished the game with, with two points, right? One for seven shooting, three turnovers in 27 minutes. Marcus Carr finished with 29 points. Now, I would have loved to win that game when your best player beats their best player in the second half um, and you're able to kind of hold their best player in check. Kansas found some ways to do some other things to, to their credit. That was kind of the ask when people were ranking Kansas at the beginning of the year. If they could do that, they're a good team. Look, they did it. They're a good team. Um, but I do like to see that, that Marcus Carr, even when he's struggling, keeps going to the hole, keeps taking the shots, wants the ball in his hands. We saw, you know, in, in that Baylor game, he struggled, but he hit the, the crucial one down the end. Marcus Carr is not going to fade for as many minutes as you let him on the court. He's going to fight, compete, put up shots, and just inevitably, he's so talented, he's going to get his. And so, again, having a point guard like that, these are the things you think about in the tournament, right? I would love Hunter to take, you know, a little bit of consistency into the end of Big 12 play. But when you have Carr able to do this on any given night, it does make you think you have the opportunity, if you can do all the other things right, to beat anyone in the country. Yeah, and I think that's that is absolutely what you want to see from Texas. And they again can stack up, I would say, with anybody in the country because the best teams in the country are in the Big 12. Uh, next up for Texas, potentially not one of the best teams in the country, but again, they did Texas a favor uh, on Wednesday evening, knocking off Iowa State. So, West Virginia coming to the mood this Saturday, uh, to kind of bring in the last few games of Big 12 play again. They were coming riding high off of a big home upset over number 11 Iowa State. Shifted to the ladies. The ladies currently playing right now against the Texas Tech Red Raiders leading 71 to 60 in the fourth quarter with about 2 minutes left. However, they stood atop of the Big 12 as well, 9 and 2, winning 
in Morgantown, 69 to 56, and then coming from behind to beat the Kansas State, beating the Kansas Jayhawks, 68 to 65. Uh, big out, big outcomes, and again, the ladies are peaking right when they need to. Yeah, I mean they're they're nine and two in Big Twelve play, right? They they've 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 been solid for the past two months. Um, at times exceptional. Uh, they have you know a, a couple tests left on the schedule for sure, but they they control their own desk and they're in a pretty good spot. Um, Deona Gaston scoring a career high against Kansas uh, was was great. Twenty four points, 12, 20 shooting, seven rebounds, four steals, three block shots. Really filling out the stat sheet. Also had a you know a, a crucial jumper right at the end when it was a it was a two point game um, <clears throat> to score to to kind of seal it off for Texas. So um, you love seeing Deona Gaston really like continue to blossom uh, as Texas's main scorer, main big, and and you know the, the, it's, it seems like each week it's it's. Deona Gaston is getting hers. Rory Harmon is facilitating the offense, and someone else is, is stepping up. Now, a lot of times that's Sonia Morris. I think 17 games this year in double digits. She had in both, uh, or just, just one this week. But, uh, you know, could be Shayla Gonzalez. Could be uh, Taylor Jones, who seems to be coming a haunt in these past couple games. Um, Khadija Fay really is doing some good things as really the the other big, right? And, and as Deona Gaston has assumed Leah Moore's role, uh, Khadija Fay has assumed a lot of um, Deona Gaston's as the second big and, and is doing a great job. Like it is is Taylor Jones, Khadija Fay, and Deona Gaston is a, is a heck of a trio. Um, again, it would be great to have four with Leah Moore there, but uh, Fay had 10 rebounds, four steals, three blocks against Kansas. Again, every one of those needed in the three-point win. So I just, there, there's players coming up still at this point in the season um, that have been strong but are really finding their legs. And I I think that's great. It's great that this team is legitimately seven, eight deep uh, with starter level talent. And uh, again, superstar level talent at the point guard and maybe just maybe uh, at the big with Deanna Gaston really looking the part. Yeah. And, and I think I get, I, we have to stop beating this drum at some point, but we, we knew this was a team that may take a couple extra weeks to, to gel or a couple extra games to gel because Rory Harmon didn't start the season, right? She was hurt early in the season. So now that they're finally gelling, in spite of the injuries, they're playing really, really well. Now that it's funny that you mention those three names because uh, Rory Harmon, Deanna Gatson, and uh, Khadija Faye all fouled out with like a minute left in the game. The refs... Um, not great uh, in this Texas Texas Tech game, but Texas is hitting its free throws, uh, unlike they have in previous games. So it's still at twelve points with a few minutes left. But up next that's for Texas, wild. I, I, yeah. I hadn't even looked at that box code, Joe. Thank you for the live update. I, I legitimately hadn't seen the which busy beyond what you told me on that one. So. I had to triple check because like that doesn't that doesn't seem right, but that's okay. Um, Tech can keep missing these three-pointers, and Texas can keep hitting its free throws. But if that holds out, Texas will extend its winning streak to not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six games heading in, hosting TCU on Saturday, and then heading to Ames to take on Iowa State. So now is the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. And we're going to start with one of the best teams on campus right now. Number one women's tennis defeats number 24 USC six to one. Highlighting that big weekend, Charlotte Shivatipone and Sabrina Zanilova each recorded singles wins over top 25 nationally ranked opponents. Those are, again, two of the six wins on the weekend. Next up, next up 
for the ladies. The ITA National Team Indoor Championships will continue uh, February 10th through the 11th in Seattle, Washington. On the men's side, the men, number six men, fell to Ohio State and Columbus for nothing. OSU actually, by that, got bumped up to the number one team in the country in the kind of biggest budding rivalry in tennis, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, the, both teams are really good, so they, they keep meeting in, in, in big matches. Um, if you recall back a couple of years, uh, Texas fell to OSU in 2019's indoor national championship, but upset them in the regular season when OSU was ranked number one. Um, I think since 2011, they've met five times at the ITA Indoor Championships. So this is uh, this is a team. The women are next week. The men are two weeks from now. And this is you know two two of the favorites for sure. Um, so we'll see if Texas meets up again and can you know uh, be the fly in the punch bowl for a really really good Ohio State team, rightfully the number one team in the country. I think right now really good. But I'm sure Texas wants a shot to uh, to say something about that. But uh, yeah, it's it's turned into a good little rivalry. I think uh, you know Michigan is. A, a decent at times years they're really good but probably not at the same level as texas right now so maybe ohio state circles texas on the calendar is their biggest one who knows we'll see next up for the men a pair of matches at home this weekend against pepperdine and number 17 arizona before heading to the ita indoors potentially uh the only other team that has a claim at, at least for active teams right now about the best team running number one women's track set two program records and posted a world leading time at the new Mexico collegiate classic. You'll probably have heard these names before. You've probably heard these names before Julian Alfred and Razadat Adeleke, uh, both pacing the ladies, but again, a massive weekend for them. Yeah. Alfred. And, and I may just talk a little bit more about her. So keep your ears peeled for that one. Um, but just did the thing that I, I think is, is maybe the biggest flex in sports. Um, she, broke her own uh, record. She entered the day with the second fact fastest time in the world on uh, the NCAA lead in the 60 and, and just broke her own record again, finished with a seven flat in the 60 meters. It's crazy. 60 meters isn't far, right? Like 100 meters is not a long race. 60 meters even shorter. Um, it's crazy when you see someone finish like two strides ahead in a 60 meter, like it's it's such a short that it is a a, a game of uh, inches and, and she's just literally running away from the pack. It's it's crazy to watch her. She's become much watch uh, TV. She now holds seven of the top 10 fastest times in that race in Texas history. The St. Lucia national record um, was also set. And she she ran just in prelims, the 7.05, which gives her all five of the fastest times in NCAA history. Yeah, five, the five fastest in NCAA history are all her. Um, so no big deal there. And then, you know, how do you compete with that? Well, Rasa Dalleke set yet another world leading time with her 400 meter uh, 54.5. It's the number three in NCAA history. Sets a new Ireland national record, and this is a big one. If you uh, follow track and you follow Texas, broke 11 time All American Courtney Ocolo's program record set in 2016. Not to be you know just thrown at the bottom here, but Kennedy Simon um, also improved to the number three time in Texas record in that same race. It's like sorry, someone was just faster. You were really lightning fast. Um, so you, you you had the the number one, the number three with Courtney Cola sandwich in there at number two. Um, and then on the track, Akilah Smith won the triple jump with a mark that is the second best in school history. Gives her um, the three best marks ever in Texas. I believe also last week she had the, the number, or earlier in the season, had the, the number two long jump catching uh, Tara Davis, friend of the pod. So uh, it's great. It's great to see this, this team is deep and laden with stars. 
not just the ladies, the men as well had a big day. Uh, Yusuf Bismiana and Jonathan Jones both put up great numbers. Uh, Yusuf set the NCAA leading time for the year in the 800 with his win on Friday night. Um, breaking potentially the shortest lived track record in, <laughs> in school history. Uh, one week for Clayton. Sorry, buddy. You got a week with it. Uh, maybe get it back next week. I think that's that's the only way to go about it. It's pretty brutal, man. Like Clayton Carrozza won, you know, sets the record. You're on top of the world. Uh, and then your teammate just comes in the next week and still like it's not even like someone else in the country somewhere broke. No, your teammate. Your teammate actually broke uh your record and posted the fastest time in the NCAA. Uh, but you're right, Jonathan Jones won the men's four hundred, put the number two time in the NCAA this year. He has six of the top ten all time in Texas history. And then Gerald, a name that Listeners of this podcast are uh, certainly familiar with that's Papiri, comma Patrick, um, the the younger Papiri brother to Trip, uh, made his made his mark on the historic uh, Texas all time list in the shot put, coming in at number eight with his throw here. So he's still got a little ways to go to catch Big Bro, but uh, multiple Papiris have now appeared on that list. <laughs> There's a plurality of Papiris on the Texas record books and and good uh, we're we're gonna call him papiri the lesser feels right just because he's the youngest one of it and like not gonna call a man of his stature or or tattooedness the lesser only in jest right the guy's massive Uh, nor should you call him that to his face uh no i would not never he's he's a large human being no never never nobody nobody with stretch marks on their (laughs) biceps like that you should never call that to their face that's fine (laughs) uh next up for the track team heading to boston to take on the uh for the valentine invitational this weekend number two women's swimming Closed out the regular season strong with a win over SMU 146 to 109. Texas had the top finisher in 11 of 15 events in the win. On the men's side, they were uh, even more dominant somehow, uh, beating SMU 181 to 83. Yeah, they won 14 out of the 15 on the men's side. On the uh, the women's side, they also had the Sturkle time trials the next day, so some people didn't... Uh didn't swim all their events the first day to save for the time trials as the final, final event named after Longhorn legend, every award in hall of fame. You could have Jill Sterkle. Um, but, uh, in that, uh, Kelly pass, Abby Pfeiffer, Olivia McMurray, all swam, swam top 10 times during the season. So again, these are all people who are going to be out there competing for national championships and just, uh, big 12 championships coming up. But, but they, the, you know, this, program has their eyes focused higher and so you got to post those times to make sure you're in so that you can swim at the end of the year for the big one building up toward the big one texas hosting the big 12 championship at the lee and jojo male texas swimming center in a few weeks february 25th uh, 22nd through the 25th the men's golf team continues uh, this early season surge currently at number 18 but they claimed the uh, team title at the southwestern invitational Last week, uh, led by freshman Keaton Vaux, who was the runner-up in the individual standings at eight under, followed by Jacob Sosa at third and Christian Moss at fifth. Those are all freshmen, Gerald. They won that uh, event by 13 strokes with their, their three top scorers being freshmen. You assume Travis Vick uh, of National Championship Bucket bucket Hat uh, fame to get it going here uh, a little bit. Or maybe this will just be a freshman-led team. Uh, if you're winning by 13 strokes with three freshmen, that's a that's a fine, fine thing. Um, they were supposed to return to the course today, the day we're recording this, February 8th. Um, in Hawaii at the um, Amara Ari Invitational, um, again, 
it's always tough going to Hawaii, uh, you know, for, for an athlete and then to have high winds, uh, you know, call off your round. I, they, I don't know if they were able to find something to do or something to eat or some way to kill their time in Hawaii. I, I really feel for them. Uh, but no, they, they'll play 36 holes and kick it off tomorrow, play two days uh, in three rounds in two days. Um, but yeah, the, the big news for that one, by the way, uh, is in addition to those three freshmen, Travis Vick and grad transfer Brian Stark, who you know, played his first tournament in this this uh, this win that they had. Giant seven foot freshman Tommy Morrison is in Hawaii to make his debut. He's competing as an individual in this one. He's not one of the five on Team Longhorn, but he's competing as an individual, and so it'll be the first chance to see him as he enrolled early in the college ranks. And I, I would put a bet that he's probably the tallest golfer at six foot eleven uh, at this tournament. But we'll, we shall see. I mean, when you're that tall and the winds are that that high you're probably you're at risk of getting knocked over so like i'm glad they canceled it just for his own personal safety like i've never been that tall but it seems like it's a wind hazard at the very least uh texas uh we we can't get out we can't get out of one of these without talking football right uh texas added what's probably going to be the last member of the 2023 class with one guy pending but i'm not putting any hopes in the in the in the deuce robinson uh Deuce Robinson basket because it's just been wishy-washy up until this point. But Texas signed 2023 safety Warren Robertson from Red Oak, number 258 in the 247 sports composite. He uh, was committed to TCU like back in November, chose not to sign to sign in December, uh, and then ultimately was courted by USC and Texas and decided to uh, make his way to Austin. If he comes in and is a... a free safety type who covers a a range uh the earl thomas mode i think i'm ready to call him the red oak ranger uh we shall see gotta earn that nickname son um but a big get for sure he was a two-way player who wide receiver defensive back kick returner as you would imagine is the best athlete in high school did everything um Probably, you know, a slightly longer development curve because in the same class, Texas took Derek Williams, who's, um, you know, a five-star, uh, one of the top 50 players in the country. I think the, the second-rated player in the boot, only after Arch Manning. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a really, really good player that he's coming in this class with. Now, we've been surprised before when what a lower-ranked kid is, is more ready, but I think that the conventional wisdom says that he may have a little bit of time, but you know, Texas putting some depth in there. It was a position of need. It was a you know a, a, an area that you want to build up a little bit with some folks uh, matriculating. So um, I think I think it's a good, really, really good take. And again, anytime you can just flex a little on a team that has their historically best season of all time, or in modernity at least, um, post all the world wars. Um, they go out and just do everything, and then you just walk in and snatch whatever um, gems in their class that you want that that fill a need in yours. Like it's just a reminder of the pecking order. Um, you know, TC, congratulations on a great season, sure, um, but we're still Texas. Hopefully, this can turn into some on the field wins over TCU because I'm tired of losing to those frogs. All right, Gerald. Now it's time for a look at the world through burnt orange lenses. Um, it's Wednesday when we're recording this. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow, maybe when you're listening to this. Uh, so I hope this is not dated by then. Um, the hottest name on the NBA trade block remaining is possibly Kevin Durant. We shall see. Um, running buddy Kyrie Irving has made his way to um, the city where JFK was assassinated. Uh, so I don't know if that will lead to any type of conspiracy theory research on Kyrie's part. Um, it's hard to tell if the, the hill was flat. Okay. I'll leave Kyrie alone. He's went to the Mavs. Um, 
which is an indicator that maybe the the Nets are punting uh, a bit on this iteration. Um, and so does that mean Durant is gone? It does seem, you know, it was a little hotter yesterday. There's been some downplay of it, but that could also mean exactly that it's about to happen if people are downplaying it. But we shall see. Um, you know, most Longhorn fans follow whatever team Durant is on, if, if not as their main team, at least as a second team. So uh, this affects many of us. So I will be watching closely. Yeah, I mean, as as a casual NBA fan, uh, my favorite team is the one with the most Longhorns on it. So generally, Kevin Durant is who I follow. Yeah, and uh, they currently have a Royal Ivy and a Kevin Durant. So, you know, who knows? Who knows uh, where everyone ends up? Um, back to football a little bit, Gerald. Uh, there were some NFL Combine invites flying out this week, uh, probably about the names that we expected, but good to see nonetheless. Uh, Keandre Coburn, DeMarvian Overshun, uh, B. John Robinson, all the ones that I think we had for sure. Uh, you know, like those would be guys that NFL GMs wanted to see perform at that level. Um, Roshan Johnson, who I was excited to see, especially because he had a, a broken hand uh, in the the Senior Bowl after he's you know started off wowing people in drills. It's unfortunate for that to happen, but he will get a chance to show some more at the combine and then. Um, and again, his, his interviews, I've said for, for months that when he sits down with GMs, that's where his draft, draft stock will rise because he's even better human than football player. And he's a pretty darn good football player. The one name on here that I was a little bit surprised by, but I am very, very excited for him, was Moro Ojimo. Um, I think he's a guy who has a chance to turn head. Similarly, a smart uh, guy, you know, a, a, a grinder for sure. Um, has Has some great highlights on his tape, but maybe didn't have you know, the, the prolific NFL career or excuse me, college career that, uh, has him at first name basis. So I, uh, I, I'm really intrigued by him and I'm curious to, to watch how his journey goes from here. I mean, he's definitely a guy who, um, I think has a lot of the measurables that NFL teams want. And, uh, he may not end up, you generally see guys that, that go to the, the combine, um, are draftable prospects. And so he seems like he's, he's a fringe guy, which Texas has done really well, with um, players that are in the trenches that end up being like those those high priority undrafted free agents looking at you, Puna Ford, right? Like those kind of guys, <laughs> Texas has done really well uh, in the last several years. But again, you see that there are going to be at least five guys um, getting some serious draft consideration, which is massive. I love it. Put them all in the first round if you know what you're doing. Gerald, a, uh, a guys who've already been drafted and a few who are looking forward to such an honor. The baseball alumni game uh, was this past weekend, um, and it finished in a stalemate. Four to four, the actives versus the X's. Um, a lot of fun to see the faces, fans get the autographs, that whole thing. The game isn't as important, but it is fun to see how it goes. Um, a little bit of note, we'll have our baseball preview coming up for you next week. Uh, but for the actives, right-handed pitcher Zane Morehouse got the start and his stuff looked as electric as it's been advertised um, in in previous years so very uh, very interesting to see that uh, pitch four innings just one run two hits struck out five uh, these are all five professional players so you love to see that um, and then for the X's Duke Ellis had the probably best day offensively uh, one for one with a solo home run a walk and scoring two runs it's always good to see Texas get a win in the alumni game. Always good. Uh, if we're like Aggies, we will count it on our win-loss record. Now, they, they open the season, as, as you all know, February 17th at Globe Life Field in the College Baseball Showdown against Arkansas, who loves to hate us and is also very good at baseball. So that's a, uh, a tough one. But Texas, chip squarely on shoulder. We'll be looking forward to that one. Um, a player who knows a thing about chips, uh, <laughs> champion, 
chips. Uh, Pearson Cootie outlasts the field and wins the Panama Championship in a three-man playoff. Um, it's his second Corn Ferry Tour win in his 14th career start. Now, that seems like an interesting delineation number. Um, there's only since 2018 uh, four players who've won two in their first 20, one of those being Scotty Scheffler, who it took almost 20, sadly. You know, he's, he's six faster than, than Scheffler. Pedestrian. But the thing that really... Im- yeah, absolutely. The thing that really impressed me about Cootie is he, for the second straight year, um, this year in the offseason, fractured his left hand and had surgery to remove a bone. So he missed his the cuts in his first three tournaments. He can kind of throw those out, right? He's really pay- played somewhere around 10 uh, at full health. And so... Um, you know, pretty impressive for him to get his second win there. It probably says you'll be seeing him in PGA Tour events sooner rather than later. I, I really appreciate Texas golf and its alumni like holding up their end of the bargain for like the Texas is rich thing by being really good at the country club sports. Like anytime a Texas <laughs> player comes up in, in golf or or, try, or a golf or tennis and in swimming, obviously, right? It just it feels good um, to know that that Texas is very literally the Joneses in that way. Country club, country club pimping. Keeping it in said sports, Leanne Federwitt and Sam Kendricks would both be inducted in the Texas Swim and Dive Hall of Fame. Brings the, the total up to 30 Longhorns enshrined in there. And then finally closing it out, Track swept the Big 12 honors this week. You heard us mention all their names. Alfred, Adeleke, Yusuf, Bizimana, all uh, winners. Um, Alfred and Adelke were named co-winners because you, you you set your national and and world leading and program breaking times. You, sometimes you just can't split the difference down the middle, so they both were awarded. Gerald, close it out here. A bit of Godzilla Tron. What'd you watch on your giant screen? Uh, I I said this last week, and it's starting to like people are gonna call BS on me. I am not a big horror fan. It's not the thing that I do uh, more often than not. It's just not something that brings me joy. However, one of the things that does bring me joy are good movies. Um, and the original Scream is an all-time great for me. It's like one of the top. Like it's on my top ten list. It's just an all-timer. Like Wes Craven is just in his bag, for lack of a better term, in that entire film. Mm. Like a film that could simultaneously send up all of the tropes of its genre while also executing them perfectly and subverting them in all the same ways. Like it was meta on meta on meta and like just an incredible, incredible movie. Um, then the fifth one is coming out next month. Um, friend of the show who doesn't listen, Aggie Mario and I both love these movies cause we're products of the early two thousands. Um, and so we're going to go see it together when it comes out over spring break. And so I did a rewatch cause they're all available for streaming now. Um, and gosh, the first one really holds up, like really still holds up like 30 years later, which is dumb to say, or 25 years later, dumb, like still just an incredible movie. The rest of them don't hold up as well. Uh, um, The one that came out last year is probably the best of the sequels, which is not shocking because they got some new blood in there uh, to write and direct. And it was, it was uh, again, doing what the first one did well, which is um, taking the, the tropes of even like the franchise itself and doing something different with them, which I really appreciated. So uh, if it's not, if it's like, if you know, 90 slashers aren't your bag then obviously skip it but like give the original scream a rewatch if you haven't done it in years and like it still holds up interesting i was always more of a fan of the anna ferris uh carmen electra uh shannon elizabeth i don't know who else was in this the wayans the wayans got third scary movie the wayans Uh, director wayans got third okay Kyle, Kyle just I was looking at a myself. I was looking at a poster. I was looking <laughs> at a poster uh reading across. They were they were in the back. Um 
but that, yes, in that Black would be History sp- Month, huh, Kyle? <laughs> uh, maybe you were hiding behind a mask. I don't know. Um, the scream mask. I don't know. Uh, I just respect women. Every month is Women's Month. That's why I went with the women first, Gerald. Um, but you know, that could just just be me. I'm tired of men always being at the front of everything. So um, you know. I got you back. Uh, <laughs> scary movie would be the long of what I was trying to get to is preferred. Uh, but maybe I should watch Scream. I feel like uh, uh, I'm, I'm old enough. But no, I just don't. I don't watch horror. In fact, I was talking about that this week with, with folks who were, uh, you know, you, you meet up with people you haven't seen in a long time or new friends. Uh, and, and casually, what are you watching comes up. And, and some people were talking about that. What's the HBO restaurant show? The, the restaurant or something like that? I don't know. Whatever that one's called. And then uh, your, you know, beloved mushroom pedro pascal uh <laughs> film all of these were, were hot topics and i was like nope don't watch them don't do horror skip them all um where was i doing this year i was doing it in in the city of new orleans so i don't have a ton to godzilla tron about because southwest had a deal a few months ago um where you could get old school southwest flights and so i got a 20 29 out and 49 back uh flight um to New Orleans, uh, still with the companion pass at that point. So um, actually, that was, you know, $60, $70 for two people round trip. However, it meant I flew out at 5 a.m. on Thursday, and I flew back at 9 p.m. on Sunday. So legitimately, since we last recorded, I spent the majority of that time in the city of New Orleans. Um, it was my wife's birthday. It was it was meant to be. We got the the cheap tickets. Got a sick Airbnb. Had uh, about ten friends come and join us. Had a crawfish boil at the house. Listeners, of this this podcast will not be surprised to hear uh, new friend now in person friend as well, uh, Brett Wilkinson, who you know you may know from Director's Cup dates and being a, uh, a frequent guest and friend of the show. When we say friend of the show, we're usually talking about someone who's never heard of the show, but we <laughs> legitimately mean friend of the show. Uh, Brett was there for the crawfish boil. Also became the unofficial NOLA historian to talk all things Mardi Gras, uh, history of New Orleans, New Orleans architecture. Uh, he, he was he was a mensch. He, uh, he, he you know took hundreds of questions from the group, fit right in with a bunch of people he didn't know, brought good beer. I mean, he brought a king cake too. There's nothing more you could ask. Uh, just an all around great guy. Glad to, uh, glad to meet him in Persian. Glad to spend time in my favorite city in New Orleans. Um, got to go to the opening Mardi Gras parade, the Crew de Vu, which is, you know, a, adults only. I guess you could bring your kids. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was a, a fun time. Ended up at, at uh, Pat O'Brien's, obviously, in the quarter, and uh, and Jean Lafitte's for some purple drink, and ultimately at Verdi Mart at 2 a.m. for sandwiches and hilarious stories. All the all the necessities. Walked through the Garden District, uh, had brunch at Commander's Palace. I mean, I truly all-timer of a trip. Um, my wife didn't stop smiling for five days. So that was what I watched instead of anything on my giant screen. I used my eyes in real life in person. And boy, what a, what a trip it was. Um, 7 a.m. meeting on Monday uh, with 150 people that I was leading was not um, the way to cap that trip. But we did it anyways. And we rolled right through. And I'm back. And here we are recording on Wednesday. And I'm alive. So uh, nothing to report on the Godzilla-tron front for the first time for me. But uh, I think it's excused absence. I feel like it was good. Yeah, you get. I, I appreciate the rundown. It was almost like watching a, a Travel Channel show. Um, <laughs> that rundown was so extensive, and I appreciate it. But Kyle, that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, whether she be one or two, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? 
I referenced Kevin Durant earlier, and we talked baseball and baseball alumni. I think of Roger Clemens, and we know we know obviously all of the litany of football greats, both at the the college level and the professional level. Swimmers who've gone on to win medals. You know, we we, we have it down. I don't know if we really truly appreciate that we have players of such a caliber either finishing their careers or, or squarely in the throes of them. Um, budding superstar Rory Harmon, um, you know, is a name we shout out a lot on this, but, you know, do people know Rory walking down the street and run up to her and ask for an autograph? You should. Uh, Logan Eggleston, we've spent a lot of time talking about the GOAT. I mean, just this week she won the Honda Sport Award for volleyball, which enters her um, as a finalist for the Collegiate Woman Athlete of the Year in the prestigious 2023 Honda Cup. Um, so she's one of 12 finalists for that now as each sport uh, will compete against each other. And she's a strong favorite to win uh, said award, which is amazing. Um, another athlete who should be in strong contention is Julian Alfred. We just spent a lot of time talking about her. She was, you know, named the Bowerman watch list. The, that's again, the, the Heisman for, for track basically was named the USTF CCA athlete of the week for the second consecutive week. That's a big deal. Um, Kennedy Simon also made her first appearance on that. Like there's, there's Rasada, we talked about earlier. Um, there's some absolute, legends walking the campus right now. Janae Jefferson just left, but she's one you should have, if you saw her in, in HEB, you know, you try not to make uh, it awkward by asking for an autograph, but do it. You know, go up and, and tell these women you appreciate them. You know, tweet at them, let them know, follow them on social media, uh, talk about them, tell your friends about them when you see them. Women's sports, as I alluded to by starting Scary Movies cast list with all the women, um, Women's sports are, are, are equally as, as uh, important and right now are carrying the water for the University of Texas, who are great. Really, really, we are great across the board at men's sports. We are unbelievable at women's sports, like all time, as good as anyone has ever been. Um, and I just hope we are, we are celebrating. Gerald and I, you know, uh, opening the kimono here a bit, have always prioritized covering women's sports. We've, we've, you know, we lead with a women's sport over a men's sport. If it's ranked higher, we try to be uh, fair and, and cover, you know, with, with equal uh, interest and, and depth as we can uh, for women's sports as well. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you, you feel the same way. But uh, these are superstars, absolute superstars, winning national awards, winning, um, you know, all-time awards. And so just, you know, make sure you, they're, they're being appreciated. And and uh, I just, you know, I don't think this applies to our listeners. But tell a friend. Tell a friend who doesn't listen to this podcast, A, to listen to this podcast, and B, about these great female athletes we have on campus right now. If you're going to thump your chest about a director's cup, but not thump your chest about Texas women's athletics, then don't thump your chest about the Texas Directors' Cup wins because the ladies be carrying the athletic department. I'm begging through them this week on the NIL bubble and uh, Jaden Rashada. So if you haven't followed this whole saga, uh, let me catch you up. So Jaden Rashada uh, was a four-star quarterback who uh, was um, pledged to go to uh, Miami on a what was it alleged a really big NIL deal and then had a late flip to Florida uh, based on an even bigger NIL deal and the Florida 
uh, Booster Collective basically said, we can't really afford that actually. Um, the numbers that have been floated around are somewhere in the range of, if he stayed for all four years, somewhere in the range of like $13 million over a four-year uh, collegiate career. And people were touting this as, oh my gosh, this is the this is what we were all afraid of with NIL, people buying recruits and blah, 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 blah. And then there were folks that were saying, well, this is unsustainable. This is not going to happen and continue. And while we talked a few weeks ago about Texas players who were just signed getting cars, right? Yes, that is a real part of NIL. But when we see these big numbers, again, we want like we have to realize that there's a world in which these these contracts have to be fulfilled, and if they can't, that's the market regulating itself. Like if we're going to do capitalism in in college football, this is what's going to happen. Teams are going to try to put out big NIL contracts, and then the actual money people are going to say no, and then Jaden Rashada is going to end up somewhere else in Arizona, presumably, uh, with no NIL deal. Now, it sucks for him uh, because he left a lot of money on the table, presumably, at Miami, but this is the market regulating himself. It sucks for him. And the reporting, the athletic did a really great article about it this week. It's a really deep reporting um, that it wasn't necessarily him with his handout, but a lot of people around him, which is a major problem with this and um, sucks for the kid that he's now left holding the bag for a bunch of idiots around him. But again, when we talk about, NIL and what's going to happen like the bubble is going to burst and I think this is probably the first sign of these big collectives dropping big bags for kids uh, being an unsustainable model. It's an interesting expose an interesting look into that story. The way we associate Ed O'Bannon with uh, with not being able to play video games, I wonder if uh, Jalen Rashad's name will eventually, uh, excuse me, Jaden Rashad's name will eventually be uh, synonymous with with you know the NIL changes that inherently had to come. We'll see. It's it's early days, but it's not. It's been around for a while. It's the Wild West, but it's not like something has to happen. And so, uh, just how how quickly that does happen will be interesting. But this being such a public story with some inside looks at some wild figures and numbers, um, we'll see if this is the the thing that that that, that stirs the uh, the pot. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where he ends up ultimately at the end of his career. He's at like three schools already now before playing, so we'll we'll see uh, how many more he's got, or if he can settle it down and and turn it into something. He's he's a good quarterback by all accounts. To be fair to former West Virginia and USC and Georgia and three other schools quarterback JT Daniel, um, at least he didn't enrolled at Miami or Florida. Uh, it was just a, a national letter of intent. So uh, <laughs> I don't think his uh, his counter officially started yet. Uh, but that's all we've got for you this week. Next week coming up, we will have uh, not only our, our baseball preview, we'll have some hopefully exciting updates on the future of the pod and where things are going. But Kyle, until then, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carmen. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hashtag crew to Drew. Drew.